You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. against my head, all I could feel was the cold desert air, it's like all I could see was sand and barrenness, no, but, but when he slept, the eyes of his heart were open, he had a vision, when his natural senses, just like Pastor Phil was talking about last week, when his natural senses were put to sleep, when he, when he took them out of the picture, suddenly he was awakened on the inside of him to actually what was going on in the spiritual space, in the, in the reality of, of the universe. He was open to the fact that God was in that place. Irrespective of, of the rock, the sand, the coal, God was in that place. And I think we need to, we need to have such a revelation that it's, God is everywhere. God is everywhere. His powerful, life-changing presence is here this morning, right now. And with it comes hope. With it comes joy. With it comes peace. With it comes life and life in abundance. If we leave this morning knowing nothing else, let it be that we know that God is with us, that He does not leave us, He does not forsake us, that when we gather together, He's here in our midst, And His heart is for us. Scripture tells us God is for us. He has gone thousands of years ago before us to prepare the way, to ensure that everything that was required had been done so we could enter into relationship with Him, so that there was nothing that restricted us from accessing the overflowing abundant life that He has within Him. He has done everything for us to be able to access that. I'm telling you, access, there's a wide door open this morning. If you need something of hope, of life, of joy, of peace, maybe you're a parent, you just need patience. Amen. That was me this morning. It's available. It's available in abundance this morning. You know, as we read Scripture, we come across all these moments where God provided something for humanity, whether it was food for feeding 5,000 men or or whether it was wine at a wedding, uh, all of these times, what we see is that there was provision in abundance. We have to understand that the kingdom of God is about abundance. The kingdom of God is about overflow. There's no lack in His kingdom. There's no restriction in His kingdom. There is an overflow of love. There is an overflow of grace. There is an overflow of provision into our world. And the life that He has for us is a life of overflow, of abundance, of more strength, more grace, more peace, more hope. And I'm telling you, we're going to step into something of that this morning. I believe we're going to experience something of that this morning. I believe, like Paul said, we can experience the love of Christ and know 
how deep, how wide, how high, the overflow, the abundance of the nature of His love for us. It's going to be good. Why don't you just uh, look at the person next to you and just say, hey, it's going to be good this morning. It's going to be good this morning. God's here. It's going to be good. It's going to be okay. It's going to be good. Grab a seat. Uh, If you've got uh, a Bible with you, why don't you grab that out this morning? Why don't you grab that out this morning? Who likes Isaac's new haircut? So fresh. Love it. Love it. I'm going to get you to do something in advance this morning, guys, if that's okay. We have a bit of a different uh, morning this morning, and uh, our team is going to stay up here uh, for the entire service. Um, So can you give them a a, a thank you in advance? Awesome. Uh, They've been here already for three hours, some of them. Um, So, you know, just... Just keep that in mind um, as you benefit from their sacrifice and uh, their love for you. I want to read a scripture. We, we, we're kicking off a new series this morning. I'm, I'm kind of excited about it. It's, uh, it's a series called More. And uh, there it is, More, a series on freedom. I think sometimes we concentrate when we hear the word freedom on all of the things that in our natural world we feel like we still struggle with. Uh, When in reality, the essence of freedom in Scripture is that it's not so much about getting free from, but it's about actually what we have been enabled to now be free to do and to move into. And, And God has never just been about freeing us from something. He's always been about freeing us to live and move into a greater, more abundant, bigger life. And so this time when we kind of concentrate on freedom, we're going to spend the next few weeks unpacking, well, what does it mean actually to step into the abundant life? What does it mean to actually step into this life that is um, categorized by more than enough? categorized by an overflow, categorized by this idea that, um, yes, there's some areas in my world that I'm in transformation in, but the reality is that I'm believing for overflow in that space. I'm believing for more than enough. Uh, I actually believe it's going to be really critical uh, in the life of our church. I believe there's some revelation that the Lord wants to impart to us as a community that is going to set us up for the journey in front of us into the, the, the future that He has for our church. We've got to get this revelation that there is abundance available in our life. There's an abundance of hope. There's an abundance of joy. There's an abundance of peace. It is always available to us. So I want to kick off this morning with, with a bit of a scripture, if that's all right. It's in, it's in Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. If you get to John, back it up. Luke chapter 22. Now we're going to kick things off at verse 14. And um, we're, going to, we're going to move into communion in a little while. And uh, we're, going to, we're going to take that and, and we're going to do a believing that there's a freshness on communion this morning. 
And so this passage of Scripture should come kind of as a no, no, no surprise. We've read it a number of times as we've approached communion. But I want to kind of pull out a couple of things first before we do communion. Luke 22, and if you don't have a Bible with you this morning, that's fine. We've got it up on the big screen. You can follow along. Maybe you've got a different translation. Um, that's cool. Luke 22, 14. It says, and then at the proper time, you know, there's always a proper time with God. There's always a proper time with God. Sometimes we get disappointed with God because our time is different to His time. And sometimes we give up on the promises of God because we think that we know when it should happen and it's different to when God has planned for it to happen. And so uh, we, we begin to judge God and categorize God and give up on, on the revelations that we've had of God and His character, of His goodness and His faithfulness. And those, those things that we used to hold on to so strongly, we let go of because, well, well it, didn't, it didn't happen when I thought it would. Instead of realizing God has a proper time, I'm going to trust in Him for His time because I believe He has my best interests at heart. He is a good Father to me and He knows when the best time for me is going to be. He has a proper time. He has a proper time. And at the proper time, Jesus and the 12 apostles sat down together at the table. And Jesus said, I have looked forward. I have looked forward. You know, we need to make sure we look forward. Not get stuck looking maybe at where we're at right now in our lives or, or maybe where we've been, both good and bad. And sometimes some of the biggest hindrance to us moving forward into what God has for us, God has for us, that'd be awkward. Uh, what God has for us is because we had a giant success 10 years ago and now our life doesn't measure up to the success we had 10 years ago. And so we have a dissatisfaction with our life instead of recognizing that that was great, it's in the past and I need to look forward. We need to look forward. Jesus said, I've looked forward to this hour with deep longing, anxious to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat it again until it comes to fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And then he took a cup of wine. And when he'd given thanks for it, he said, take this and share it among yourselves. For I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. And then he took a loaf of bread and when he had thanked God for it, he broke it into pieces and he gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after supper, he took another cup of wine and said, this wine is a token of God's new covenant to save you. An agreement sealed with the blood I will pour out for you. So good. Let's just pray for a second, can we? Father, I want to thank you for that moment. I want to thank you the moment you began a new covenant, you began a new way of relating to us. God, I thank you that it is a relationship based on forgiveness, grace, the blood of Christ. God, I pray you would begin to talk to us like you haven't done in maybe a long time for some of us. Lord, I pray this morning your voice would be so loud that your spirit, Father, would begin to move in amongst our lives. Father, I pray that, that our spirits would come alive afresh to the relationship that we have with you. I pray this morning that your word would go out just like Jesus taught. It would find fertile soil that even now, the hard soil, the rocky soil, the thorns, Father, would wilt and the soil would be broken in our hearts so we might be able to receive 
the life you have for us this morning. In Jesus' name. And Lord, we pray for the Knights. Father, help them make the finals in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I tell you, I'm excited. Preseason for the Jets is looking good. I was out, I watched them play Edgeworth the other day, and they won just. Um, but if you could keep the Jets in your prayers uh, in the lead up to uh, the season beginning, that would be really helpful. Uh, that, would, that would make me feel good. I, I'm an emotionally driven person, and when the Jets win, I'm happy. And uh, when the Jets don't win, um, I definitely need Jesus more. So there you go. There you go. You know, it's interesting, we read about communion and we talk about communion and we have communion a lot, but sometimes I think we forget where communion was instigated, where this idea of the supper that Jesus had with his disciples before he uh, went to the cross, you understand that moment that we just read about was, was less than 24 hours before his death. It was less than 24 hours before his death. You know, we had a, a great wedding in our church yesterday, uh, Isaac and Emily. And, uh, you know, I wonder, I remember uh, the night before my wedding. I remember what I was doing, who I was hanging out with. Uh, we were at the wedding venue, me and my groomsmen. And we were up and we were, the, 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 the place we were staying had opened up. Um, the, the bar pool area specifically just for us and we were in there playing snooker and it was a great time knowing that uh, not in a negative way but this would be the last kind of moment that I would spend in this type of a setting as a single person um, unmarried and there was a significance on that and, and in a similar way there was a significance on this moment for Jesus. He knew in less than 24 hours later life as he knew it would have ended Things would be totally different. Not that that's related to marriage, by the way, just in case you're wondering. Um, just got to put a little caveat on that. We got people not married yet, and they don't realize marriage is fantastic. They haven't worked out that yet. And uh, marriage is one of the best things that you can enter into um, if you allow God to guide you to the right person uh, at the right time and make sure that you have leaned in to God, enabling you to be the best you at that moment. That's a secret to a great marriage, I believe. And I haven't been married for that long. It's 10 years for Rachel and I this year. But in those 10 years, I've realized that the best approach I can have to marriage is, is to have a personal relationship with Jesus where He is helping me be the best me. And when I'm the best me, our marriage is much better. Amen. So, so young people, work at being the best you before you worry about who the one is. Yeah. Anyway. The Passover was instigated almost or hundreds of years before we arrive at the passage we just read. Hundreds of years before that, where, where the, the nation of Israel were bound in slavery to the nation of Egypt. And um, we pick up that story way back in Exodus. And what happened, and, and some of you may know the story, some of you might not, that's cool. Uh, but what happens is there's this incredible moment where God, through Moses, performs a series of kind of crazy plagues which attack the nation of Egypt. And the idea being that they progressively get worse and, and Pharaoh progressively moves to a place where he's like, all right, I'm done. You guys can go, okay? And what we have to understand is that what Jesus was celebrating with his disciples was actually a remembrance of the last plague. It was the last thing. It was the, you could call it the straw that broke the camel's back, whatever you want to call it. It was the moment in which Pharaoh said, you know what? I'm done. Israel, 
you can go free. It was the moment of freedom for Israel. And if you do know the story, you would know that the initial Passover, as it's referenced, the Passover dinner, the initial one was, was according to what happened in the nation of, of Egypt to the Israelites, where the last plague was the death of every firstborn son in the nation. And if, according to what God had instructed the Israelites, they, they killed a lamb, they put the blood over the door, this angel of death that wiped out the firstborn of, of, of every family in the nation of Egypt would pass over the house with the blood and, and there would be no death in that house. And so Jesus, hundreds of years later, is, is remembering that moment with His disciples. He is remembering the moment of freedom. He is remembering this moment where the death of the firstborn son created freedom for a nation. And I don't know about you, but sometimes in our life, relationships can get stale. Marriage can get stale. 10, 20, 30 years, I talk to people that have been married longer than me, and I'm like, hey, what's it like at 30 years? What's it like at 40 years? Give me some advice, things like that. And, and there are ups and downs in marriages. It's, it's not like we're shown on TV uh, where there's this incredible roses everywhere. And, you know, there are times when, when marriage is amazing, and there are times when marriage is a little bit flat. And can I tell you that in those moments, something that I have found really beneficial in my life is bringing to remembrance Seasons in the past. One of the things I love to bring to remembrance is my wedding day. I don't sit and watch the DVD. That's a little bit too far. But um, I do remind myself of the joy. I remind myself of the expectation. I remind myself of seeing my wife walk down the aisle. I remind myself of those things. And what rises in me is a freshness in my relationship with her. It's awkward because she's standing behind me listening. But... This is the, the premise of, of what was instructed to the nation of Israel about this Passover dinner. Hey, you know, when it gets stale, when the memory of freedom gets stale, every year have a dinner where you remember. Have a dinner where you remember when that angel of death passed over, no death visited your house, and instead you received freedom from slavery. Have a dinner where you remember that. Have a dinner where you eat lamb, where you eat like unleavened bread, where you have some hummus, and I actually don't think hummus was in the Passover, but um, you know, have a dinner and celebrate and remember. Relive the moment, re-energize the spirit, reconnect with what God did for you in that moment where He freed you as a nation because you might be generations on from actually the one who was a part of, of the whole nation that walked out and, and you're going to need to have something in place to remember what God did for you. And that is what they were celebrating. You, they, they weren't celebrating the cross. That hadn't happened yet. That, they were celebrating the freedom that they had received hundreds and hundreds of years earlier uh, from the nation of Egypt. But we know that that dinner was a foreshadow. We know that that dinner was a representative. It was a real thing for them, but it was also a representative of what was to come 24 hours later, where the death of another firstborn son would purchase and secure freedom of a different kind, from a different slavery, a slavery to our old nature, a slavery to this this thing called sin that the Bible talks about. That the 24 hours later, Jesus, the firstborn son of God, would give his life as a sacrifice. His blood would be poured out and painted forever over the doorpost of our life 
so that we would be free from the obligation to do wrong, that we would be free from the nature that causes us to err and sin and do wrong in the eyes of God, that forever, just like the Israelites had been given freedom from Egypt, we would be given freedom from ourselves. And now we, 2,000 years later, bring to remembrance, not the initial Passover, although it's great to recognise the significance of that and the foreshadow that it was. No, no, we bring to remembrance what Jesus did on the cross. We bring to remembrance what, what His death as the firstborn Son has done for us and the reality of our freedom that was purchased in that moment as He hung a sacrificial lamb nailed to the middle cross, purchasing our forgiveness and freedom with His own life. And now remembering Him remembering the freedom that he secured. He says in advance, knowing what it would be, knowing what was to come, in advance, he says, now do this in remembrance of me. We, we now no longer do communion in remembrance of Egypt. We now no longer do communion in remembrance of the first. No, we do communion now in remembrance of the Lamb of God who was slain, says before the foundations of the earth, to purchase our forgiveness, our freedom. We now do communion in remembrance of that moment. We do communion in remembrance of what God has done for us individually, corporately, as a community, what God has done in our lives. And just like a marriage can get stale, we can bring life through remembrance of significant times. The same is true of our relationship with God. If we cannot get to a place in our relationship where we can be honest enough with God to be like, you know what, my relationship with you is stale. My relationship with you is flat. My relationship with you, God, has lost what it used to have. If we cannot be honest enough with ourselves when we're at that point, we will not bring to remembrance the things that can regenerate life in the midst of it in the same way that we would when we recognize our marriage might be stale or our friendship might be stale or our relationship within our family might be stale and we recognize and we go, I'm gonna remember a better time to refuel the love that I have for that person. But if we don't do that with God, if we just sit around and pretend and put on a facade like, oh yeah, everything's fine. We miss the opportunity to reignite the reality We're going to move now into communion. Now I feel like this kind of premised it with, this is the remembrance that we do in this moment. I'd love to invite the team to just prepare the elements. Now as we go to take these, uh, our worship team has prepared an item for you this morning. And I, this item has some of the best words that I think I've, I've found lately to to describe what it means to authentically come back to God and go, you know what? Yeah, I might be a little stale. I might have lost you somewhere along the way in, in, in the busyness of life, in the, in, the, in the discouragement of life, in the disappointments of life. I might, uh, my relationship with you might not be what it used to be. But can I tell you, we have a moment right now in, in the midst of communion where we can do what Jesus told us to do with it. We can make it a remembrance 
We can make it a moment where we look at the bread and we realize it's representative of his body that was broken on the cross. We can look at the blood and we can realize this was what was poured out. This is what was was secured my forgiveness. It's because of this I can stand before God totally forgiven. It's because of these things that I am free from the old me. It's because of these things that I can step boldly into the throne room of God, that I can even approach Him in prayer, that I can have relationship with God. It's because of these things that I hold in my hand that represent the broken body, the shed blood of Jesus Christ hanging on the cross for us. Bring to remembrance that moment. Maybe bring to remembrance the moment you first believed, the moment you first got it, the moment His Spirit spoke to you for the first time and said, hey, I'm real and this is for you. Bring to remembrance Use this moment right now to reignite whatever space in your world is is a little bit stale, is a little bit dry, is a little bit disconnected maybe, discouraged with God. I'm going to get the team to begin and you can take the, the bread, you can take the wine as you feel led this morning as you look at it let it speak to you this morning let it remind you let it be the remembrance this morning let this song begin to speak to you as you as you look at it as you allow it to stir your heart again undeniable it's not a question it's a declaration it's a truth it trumps facts it trumps feeling it trumps experience it's truth where God is you're free demonstrated his heart toward his people that they would be free it began with Moses going to Pharaoh tell Pharaoh set my people free set my people free 
Just imagine Jesus dropping the same word just as he dies on the cross, goes down into hell, looks at the devil and just says, hey, set my people free. That's enough. That's enough. That's enough of that shame. That's enough of that guilt. That's enough. I take all those keys. I'm going to walk right out of that place. That's enough. People of God are not, we're not to live under those things anymore. <laughs> they have been dealt with. Our freedom is secure. God never destined for the Israelites just to get free from Israel. Sorry, no, the Israelites to get free from Egypt. His plan for them was always the promised land. It was always the promised land. A land flowing with milk and honey. And the Israelites were always meant to be the people of promise. They were meant to be blessed to be a blessing. It was never about just getting enough for them. It was never about let's get out of Egypt and then let's just get survival mode. No, no, no. God's plan for freedom was to arrive at a point of abundance so much so that it flowed out of them into the world around them, into the nations around them so that the nations would turn and look and go, oh my goodness, where is this abundance coming from? Well, this abundance is coming from the God who is real. Nothing has changed about God's plan except, except now, that, now that it's in us that the abundance that flows through us into the world around us has a purpose of turning people's heads and being like, where does that peace come from? Where does that joy come from? Where does that hope come from? Where does that, where does that ability to, to have your head up high when your life is, is, is looking like it should, should be putting your head low? Like, where does that come? Let me tell you where it comes from. It comes because I know a God and He's real and He's with me. And He sent His Son to die for me so that I don't have to live with guilt, so that I don't have to live with shame, so that I can live free and, 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 and in the full knowledge that He is with me. He is my strength and my supply, that He is my abundance and it overflows out of us. past and a present truth. You already have been set free. There is a reason we don't need to address the free from. And it's because it's happened. It's because it happened on the cross. The moment Jesus died on the cross, was buried and rose again, that was the moment you were set free from anything that would be trying to bind you up. When you feel bound, it's just a feeling. The truth is you've been set free. It's already done. It's already sealed. It's already secured. Sometimes physical evidence is the worst argument that we have against Scripture. Sometimes, sometimes we allow our physical world, our experience, our feelings, our thoughts, our emotions, our, 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 our actual circumstance to speak to us something that is different to the truth of the Word of God. You see, it says that when, 
we accept what Christ did on the cross, we are born again. We are born again. We now have a new nature. We have been born again. You guys may sit. That's fine. Sorry. My apologies. The Scripture tells us that we have been crucified with Christ. That our old nature has been crucified with Christ. That old nature that caused us to have a desire to sin, to have a desire to err, to have a desire to do wrong, that thing has actually been crucified on the cross with Christ. We don't need to understand how it all happened, how it all worked. The truth of the the situation is that thing, it's dead. It's been buried and it did not rise with Christ. Christ rose as a new creation. And when we believe in Him, we are born again. I'm telling you, we're pregnant and when that child comes out, it's not going to be some of our other older children. It's a new child. When we are born again, we have to understand the fullness of that birth. Our nature was born again. We have received a new nature. We have been given the nature of Christ Jesus. We were born again, not in a physical birth, uh, we're told in Scripture, but it was a spiritual, it it was a nature rebirth. We are a new person. Paul tells us that we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. And the problem is our old nature has this shadow, it has this impression that speaks to us louder than the truth of Scripture sometimes. And so we still think we are bound up when the truth is we're not. The chain's not linked to anything anymore. The end of the chain that we still feel is just the end of the chain. It's been broken. It's been severed. It was done by the blood of Jesus on the cross. I don't know if you've ever lived in a house for a long enough period of time to see the influence of the sun on your paint. I know I changed subjects quickly, sorry. But if you've ever hung, hung like a painting on a, on a wall, a dark wall works best. If you've hung a painting on a dark wall and it's sat there for years and years and years and years and the light every day, it comes up, it shines on the painting. It's beautiful, you like it because the highlights are colours. And then you go to move house and you move in and, 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 and you take that painting down. What's left is an impression. What's left is a very clear impression because around it has kind of faded and what you still see is this really dark square of dark paint that hasn't faded. And so in some ways, it still really looks like the painting's there. It still looks like something's hung there. Even if if you've done it in the old school way with like the chain, you can sometimes even see that the chain has left like this impression. You can see like these little links that have been like faded into the paint color. And, And so even though the painting is gone, the impression still seems so real. The impression still seems like it's still so much there. And this is this is like an analogy of what happens when we get born again, right? We get a new nature. But the issue is we've been living with the old nature for a long time. And so So there's an impression, there's a shadow, okay, there's thought patterns, there's there's desires that have been driven into the thought patterns of our brain. And even though we have been born again, there is a very strong impression that we are still the old person. But I need to tell you, that is not the truth. That is not the truth. The truth is that in that moment when Christ breathed His last, went down into the grave and rose again, And we accepted that a transaction took place. A transaction took place where where you received a completely new nature. That old nature, that old painting that was hanging on the wall, it was crucified with Christ and it went into the grave with Him. It's actually not there. It's actually not there anymore. It's actually not there anymore. 
the desire you have to do certain things, that, that desire is, is, is actually not connected to anything in your nature anymore. You actually have new nature. You have a new desire. This is the essence of freedom. Except we, we judge our freedom based on our feelings. We judge our freedom based on our experience. We judge our feeling based on the things we think we still struggle with. And I use that term all the time. But really, in essence, what we're saying is, I have not had my mind, my will, and my emotions transformed yet to line up with my new nature. That's far more a real statement then I still struggle with this or I still struggle with that or, or you know, because the reality is that that's the, the, the thing that that struggle is connected to has no life in it anymore. It's not there. It's, it's been crucified with Christ. You know, Paul says, I, I now no longer have any obligation to do what my sinful nature desires. I'm no longer in slavery to, to the old nature. For it has been crucified with Christ. The cross has enabled us to move into a place of abundance in every area of our life. The cross has created the capacity for you to live in the fullness of the nature of Christ, in the fullness of abundance in every area of your life. That is what it has done. The journey of Christianity, the journey of discipleship, the journey of relationship is seeing the transformation of your outward being, your mind, your will and your emotions coming into alignment with that truth. The journey of discipleship and Christianity is not trying to find freedom from something that you've already got freed from. We do not need to keep going back and trying to get free from. We are free from. It's been done. It's a sealed, signed, delivered contract. You're free from. Everything you think you're struggling with, you're free from it. It's done. In the innermost being of who you are, you're free. You're totally free. It's the truth of Scripture. And we have a decision every moment of our lives whether we are going to stand on that or let ourselves speak to ourselves out of our physical expression. You know, God's desire was never for us just to be free from, though. It was for us to be free to. It was for us to have an abundant life, such overflowing, that we would be a light on a hill that we would be salt in the world, that there would be so much of the opposite of what the world experiences flowing out of us, whether it's hope or joy or peace, or let's get practical, whether it's in the area of finance. I'm telling you, God believes in overflow in that area. Corinthians tells us that He will give seed to the sower so that we can have more than enough to sow into other areas. I'm telling you, there is God's plan for our life is not to live this little restricted held back, uncertain, insecure life. God's plan for our life is to live in abundance. It's to live in overflow. It's to live confident that I'm free from. I may still have transformation to take place in my thinking, but I'm free from those things. And I'm going to live with the confidence that I have an abundant life in front of me and available to me in every area of my world. That is faith. Because faith is the evidence of things unseen. So we may not see it, but I'm telling you, what's your faith connected to right now? Is it connected to your experience or is it connected to Scripture? I need to be the one that brings us back to this and say, this is the truth we are building our lives on, even if it doesn't feel good, even if it feels opposite to what I'm experiencing, even if it means it's going to be difficult to hear what it says about my world, this is what I'm going to build my life on. 
the process of freedom is a journey between two things. I'm just going to skip ahead a little bit here if that's all right. You need to remember that when the Israelites were freed, and your homework this week can be go read Exodus so you make sure I'm telling you the right story. When the Israelites were freed from Egypt, there was a coast road, right? And Rachel and I, ever, we, we, we go into town or whatever. I am, I am known for, even if perhaps, you know, it's, it's early in the morning or late at night, I will, I will always take the coast road. I just prefer driving along the beach. I just think it's, it's, it's more scenic. I love the beach. I love seeing the beach. I like imagining that I'm out in the water uh, surfing the waves and not in the car with my, my arguing, asking why a thousand time uh, children. Like, why, 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 why? Um, I like to imagine I'm surfing instead. It's far better for my mental health. But I will always say the coast road, and the reality is that there was a coast road from Egypt in, into what was going to be the promised land. It was the track to the Philistine nation, and it was well walked. It was known as a caravan route, um, not the way we think about caravans these days. All right? I'm sure there were some grey nomads on it, but they were of a different kind. And, um, but but it, that would have taken the Israelites 11 days to go from Egypt into the promised land. And many of us are like, yeah, yeah, I know, it took 40 years because they made a bad decision when they got to the edge. Yeah, that's, that is true. But can I tell you that it actually took them a whole lot longer than 11 days even, even to get to the edge before, before they didn't believe that God could deliver the promised land to them. It took them a whole lot longer than 11 days based on God's direction. Based on, based on the journey God planned for them to take. God actually planned for them not to go the 11-day journey. It had nothing to do with their decisions at that moment. It had nothing to do with their obedience. It had nothing to do with their faith at that moment. God destined for them to take a longer journey from, from free from until free to. And the reason He did that was because He knew the journey was important. He knew that the journey from free from, which let me remind you, happened 2,000 years ago. So if you're wondering where you are on this journey, you're in the middle, okay? In some areas of your life, you've arrived. In other areas of your life, you're still like just outside the doors of Egypt, okay? But the reality is 2,000 years ago, you stepped out, okay? Pharaoh said goodbye, get out, I'm done. The firstborn son made it happen, I'm out of Egypt, right? Now you might not have moved far from that, but the reality is you're out. That, that's secured to move forward. God took them on a journey for two reasons. The first one was so they would learn who He was because He needed them to be certain of who He was to them when they got into the promised land. And the second thing that He needed was for them to be sure of who they were, who He had made them into, who their identity was in Him, that they were God's people and therefore He was for them. And so when they came into battle, they weren't coming into battle just as their physical human form. No, they were coming as God's chosen people, anointed for that land, anointed to possess that place. And God knew they needed a journey to do that. He knew if they took them by the coast road, 11 days, there's no way they were gonna be ready to possess the abundant life. He knew there was no way. And so if you're on a journey right now, I believe you're right where God wants you. If you're somewhere between free from and, and you got some areas that are like, yeah, I feel like I'm free too. I'm, I'm, this is awesome in this space. But at other points, you're like, I don't know if I'm there yet. Can I tell you, you're right where God's led you. 
You're right where God's led you. You're right where He needs you. But there was something when the Israelites came to the border. The reason they then took 40 years to go back around the wilderness is because the spies that went in came back. And 10 out of the 12 said, we look like grasshoppers in their eyes. See, there is this, there's such a link between our vision and our faith. They didn't have a vision to live in the promised land. They couldn't see themselves in there. All they saw was defeat. All they saw was defeat. All they saw was, I'm a little grasshopper. I'm not a mighty man of God. I'm a little grasshopper. Caleb and Joshua, they came back and they said, well, we're God's people, so we're sweet. We know who we are and we know who He is, so it doesn't really matter about them. And I want to tell you this morning, I believe so strongly in my spirit that God wants to impart fresh vision into your life about an area that you cannot see yourself living in abundance in. Because I'm telling you, if you can't see it, you won't step into it. You'll stay in the wilderness. And it's all right, God will walk with you. He walked with them for 40 years. He kept providing. He kept making sure they got back to the promised land, gave them another opportunity to step in. I'm telling you, God's grace is enough. There's no, no condemnation if we keep going around the wilderness. I've got, I got things in my life. I've been going around and around. But I know that the key is whether or not I can see myself in that space in my life. Can I see myself in victory? Can I see myself in abundance? Can I see myself without that 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 bitterness? Can I see myself without that addiction? Can I see myself living in an abundance of finance to be able to bless in other people's worlds? Can I see myself in abundance of health? Can I can do you have a vision in your life for the promised land? Do you have a vision? Can you see yourself living the life that God has actually already secured for you if not can I encourage you as we go into a song right now come to the kind of the conclusion of our service can I encourage you to respond I would really love to pray for you down the front this morning I would really love to pray not that you'd be free from because you already are but that you would see yourself free too that you would see yourself with this overflow of forgiveness in your heart to people, that you would see yourself in abundance, that you would see yourself living each day with this peace that passes all understanding, that you would see yourself with joy, the joy of the Lord being your strength, that you would see yourself with life and life abundant, that you would see yourself because we will walk where we see. So why don't we stand, church? And if you need fresh vision in an area of your life this morning, if you want to see yourself in a new area, can I encourage you? Why don't you respond this morning? Why don't you make it make a tangible decision to step down? And I would love to pray for you. Pray that God gives you fresh vision just even for a moment. You'd see yourself in that place. That you would see yourself in that place. Thanks. Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.